Joy seekers, joy givers, anyone looking for an infusion of joy, you've come to the right place. My name is Deb McGregor, and I'm your host for today's program. As we walk into today's program, I want you to imagine that God calls you to a place, a place that may be unfamiliar, a place that has tremendous risk involved. And even knowing that, you choose to give your yes each and every day. Friends, that's what we are going to talk about. In fact, this is such a big yes that we are calling this show Serving Incognito. As I introduce our guest today, I want you to know this is not their real names. We are actually using names specifically created for this program and others because of the risk that they actually take every single day to serve the Lord. It is my pleasure to welcome to the show today, Joe and Don. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. As I do that introduction to both of you, just kind of go, whoa, yeah, it really is that. We really are taking risk. (laughs) 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 Joe, I want to start with you. Uh, I know that you did not always know the Lord, and I think it is an important piece of this journey, an important piece of your call to talk about how did God really completely, I, I use the term flip you, mm. to be a servant for him. Let's start back there. Yeah. I grew up in uh, Texas from a young age. There was a lot of difficulties in my home and anger, rage, uh, drinking. And so I rebelled and rejected uh, my family uh, and uh, started running on the streets with my friends. And so I got involved with drugs and then stealing and ended up in multiple boys' homes. And then uh, that just kind of barrel rolled, didn't finish school, uh, ended up um, uh, robbing, stealing, uh, doing drugs, selling drugs, and then ultimately becoming uh, a junkie. And uh, spent uh, more than four years of my life uh, incarcerated in prison, three times to prison, and uh, I didn't, I didn't want to live anymore. I didn't believe in God. I thought if God was real, why would He allow all of the the bad to happen in this world? Many of my friends were killed on the streets, and and I realized uh, in a jail cell, someone, another inmate, actually gave me a Bible and said, "Hey, man, this is you know we've been making the wrong decisions." And and um, so I opened the Bible up and really just I gave my life to King Jesus. One of the things that God really spoke to me was the reason I was in jail was not because of him. It was actually me. All of those things that got me into the position I deserved to be there because of the decisions that I had made. And God didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to save it and that he loved me and that he was the father that I'd never had. And I understood all of a sudden that I was adopted into his family by his spirit and born again and he took my heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh. And I fell in love with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so I became a new creation overnight. All of a sudden, I would read the Word of God. And as I read the Word of God, I realized that I was new. And I started obeying the Word of God and just by the Holy Ghost, just started turning away from the things that I was involved with in jail. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I mean, it was wild. I mean, I'm telling everybody in the jail cells, I'm on writing letters home to my family saying, man, you got, you have to know this King Jesus and what he's done for me. And, um, that basically was, was my, was, uh, my testimony of how I came to faith. I mean, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was hopeless. I was alone. I was lost and Jesus saved me. When I was his enemy and I fell in love with him and he, he, he left the 99 and plucked me out of the fire and set my feet upon a rock and I haven't turned back since. I've, uh, I've been compelled because of the love that he give, gave me 
uh, to give to others. And yeah. that's Praise the Lord. I mean, yeah. we could make a whole show just on <laughs> yeah. that, right? And yeah. I love when you talk about that restoration that he did in you. It is so powerful. And we're going to talk more about how God has used that past to be in service of him. Mm. But we've got to find out, Dawn, did you always know the Lord or were you, did you have, were you in jail as well? Or what? <laughs> well, I was actually kind of the opposite of Joe. I grew up uh, in a church home. My mom was a believer and really had a love for Jesus from an early age, you know, did struggle with some things because um, I didn't have anyone to disciple me really when I was growing up. Um, so it's definitely been a journey following the Lord, but, um, yeah, I, uh, maybe have had one traffic ticket in my life. <laughs> I love this. And, and so it feels appropriate maybe to go to, so how did you two meet? Because mm. you are like almost like polar opposites. Mm. You know, we really, are and um I think it's easy for people to hear Joe's story and go, Wow, God is so amazing. But the reality is even though I wasn't living the kind of life that he was, as a kind of self righteous person, I was as dead in my sins as he was. And my transformation from death to life is as much of a miracle as his is. Right. And so really, we did have people ask, especially him, what are you going to talk to her about? Like, are you sure? But um, the first time that I really met him, I could tell that he loved Jesus. And that was really the thing that drew me to him. Do you want to tell where we met? Uh, so I was managing a coffee shop for four years. When I got out of prison, I helped um, a ministry that had a discipleship home that took guys out of prison and off of the streets. And then we built a tent making coffee business. And then that coffee business was the first time I'd ever kept a job in my life. I mean, I served King Jesus as a coffee barista and manager for four years. And one day, uh, that coffee shop actually was in between two universities and it became a discipleship place where different churches would come and disciple people and then the university students would come and then one day she walked in and she was looking really pretty and I was like dang you know so uh, I'm blushing a little here (laughs) so she came up to the counter and she started hanging out a little bit uh for a little while and and then one thing led to another and yeah I would just like to echo you know I mean uh, my background was totally different from her background but what we do have in common is our love for King Jesus and his purposes for our life. And we never miss a beat. Yeah, absolutely. And Don, I love that you actually brought that up about mm-hmm. the dead feeling mm-hmm. or that the sin piece that can yeah. take over. It doesn't matter necessarily where we are in the walk. If we are not seeking the Lord, if we're not staying in the word, if we're not praying, if we're not staying connected, it is so easy to fall backwards. Like it just happens, right? Amen. Absolutely. So for me, when we accept the Lord as our savior, that's just the start. Yeah. Right? Like it's not like that's the, and that is the start. And I love that you bring that piece into this because no matter where we were before, Mm. here's this point. And now we move right from here. I just, I absolutely love that. So you obviously have a courtship. You end up getting together. And somehow then God calls you to serve in this remote location. We've got to talk about this. Well, I had really been involved in working overseas before. You know, I think it's really wonderful that you kind of introduced the idea of risk 
right? I think we live in a world where people think the wise thing is the safe thing. The gospel is all about risk. It really is. And so oftentimes the wise thing is not to try to be in that safe place, but to be in the risky place where Jesus is. And so I had actually served overseas uh, in a pretty dangerous place before I even met Joe. And we both had this heart to um, be in places where the gospel's not well known, where there aren't lots of opportunity to hear about Jesus. Yeah, God is committed to making himself known around the world. And I wanted to be a part of that with him. And in God's beautiful providence, after a really long time of praying for a husband, God brought this man who also had that heart. And so we have a song, an Andrew Peterson song, Dancing in the Minefields. We went dancing in the minefields, um, sailing on the shore, uh, sailing in the storm. You say the words. I forget. (laughs) We went dancing in the minefield. We went sailing in the storm. It was harder than we dreamed, but I believe that's what God's promise is for. Yeah. Amen. Hmm. Amen. That's beautiful. I mean, it's like it's like a little love story here, right? <laughs> and, and and really, if we think about it, it's a love story that began with Jesus, right? When your Amen. love of Jesus is there, mm-hmm. then your love story continues, and serving Him mm-hmm. brings that up even more. Amen. So you both obviously discern this. This is not a call that one takes lightly. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that discernment process. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, um, before. Joe and I got married. I had served in a pretty dangerous place. But then when we started talking about what God would have for us, you know, you begin to think, what about bringing children into that? And uh, that was a pretty uh, significant conversation for me to have with the Lord. And he really provided some opportunities for me to think through that. I read a book um, called Killing Christians, which is about people um, in the Middle East giving their life as followers of Jesus. And, you know, so... I think oftentimes sitting in America, that seems so abstract and so far off and so remote. But it was really helpful for me to read these true stories of people who today are giving their life because of their love for Jesus. So it's not an abnormal thing. It's it's a normal thing. And so that was helpful as well. And then uh, this was also at the time um, that ISIS was really on the scene in Iraq. And I read the account of what happened on Shingar Mountain, which is among the Yazidi people. And the Yazidis heard in that ISIS was coming out of Syria across the Nineveh Plains into Iraq, and they knew that their lives were forfeit. So everybody flees from the village, but they get stuck on top of Shingar Mountain, and this is in July, and it's a flat rock. So there are like 20,000 people on top of this mountain with no food, no water, no shade, and I think over two or maybe even 3,000 children died that day um, just because of the exposure to the heat without anything. And, you know, it was like the Lord just said to me, those could have been your babies, but they're not. But am I willing to trust him with everything, do I really believe he's worth it? And by his grace, he gives us the opportunity to say yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've got more to come. And this is a time, I think, to take a pause, too, for people to just take a moment to really take that in 
about what it really means to risk it all, to give it all, to trust him with every single thing. We are talking with Joe and Don. We're talking about going to areas where when you give your yes, you truly are risking it all. We have so much more to come. We're going to take a brief pause. Don't go anywhere. This is Deb McGregor. Live joy, share joy. When it comes to planning for your future, you want an advisor who understands your Christian values. Ameriprise Financial Advisors Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson offer financial planning based on biblical principles. They can help you plan for your goals in a way that is consistent with your faith. Call Gina Ripkema, Shelley Loff, and Donna Gunderson today. Office is located downtown Bemidji at 122 3rd Street Northwest or at 1202 1st Street East in Park Rapids. Ameriprise Financial offers financial services without regard to religious affiliation or cultural background. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Arise Financial Group, a division of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy. I am always looking for guests who may be interested in joining me for our program. If you or someone you know has a testimony of how God is working in his or her life, I'd love to hear from you. I have an interest form on my website at lifefulofjoy.com that you can fill out and submit to me. We are often booking shows out two to three months in advance, so please be patient as we go through our interest forms. Shine your light to the Realtors Noemi and Harry Aylesworth are happy to share they are now affiliated with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice. Serving all of your real estate needs in Bemidji, Bagley, Black Duck, Cass Lake, and surrounding communities. They are dedicated to finding you the home you deserve. Whether you're selling or buying property, they will serve you with honesty and integrity. You can expect a better real estate experience. Life takes you many places. Let Team Aylesworth, Noemi and Harry of Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate First Choice take you home. Nourishing Ways by Kelly Joe, personalized nutrition coaching designed to help women ditch dieting for good and cultivate confidence in themselves so they can nourish their bodies with the food they love without the stress and guilt. Hi, I'm Kelly Joe. I have over 20 years working as a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor. Let me help you live the joy-filled life you crave. Contact me today on Facebook at Nourishing Ways, that's W-E-I-G-H-S, or call me today at 218-368-4911. This is Deb McGregor, Live Joy, Share Joy. We are speaking with Joe and Don. We're talking about serving in areas where truly you may be risking it all. And going into the break, we were talking about the book Killing Christians and how that was one of the motivators, as well as several things that were happening. And Joe, I would love to talk to you about this decision as the man in the household, the spouse, the like bringing a family into Iraq. Talk to me about that as, as the husband, the father. Like, What did that feel like? So when I became a believer, um, as we talked about before, I was in prison, and I knew when Jesus saved me that it was not so that I could live my best life now, but that I was to live for him who loved me and died for me, and that God was calling me immediately, I knew, to go into the hard-to-reach areas where others aren't to bring the same hope that God brought to me when I was hopeless. And so I knew at that point that we needed to go to those places because we had a treasure, a gift of freedom for people in those areas and no matter what god was calling us to he would be with us and it's safer in those areas than it is if we were out of his will if that makes sense how does how does that work with my children that's a very uh, interesting and, and difficult question but the best way that i can explain it to you is i trust jesus 
with my children more than I trust myself with my children. So if I'm listening to the will of God for my life and hearing from His Holy Spirit, we can step in each place that He has for us, no matter how dangerous. And our children are better fit under the shadow of His wings than under my fears or doubts. If that makes sense. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And as a parent, yeah. and my kids are a little older than your children probably. I'm making that up a little bit, but I'm pretty sure it's true. <laughs> and boy, once kids start moving into those ages where, you know, they start getting on their own and they're doing all their stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, like there's all these things that could happen. And I mean, the mind can really take off on this, right? But they're under the protection of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. if we, when we truly believe that, right, mm-hmm. he loves them more than I do. I don't mm-hmm. know if that's possible, but I think it is for, for Jesus, you know. And mm-hmm. I don't want to put too much on him, but I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's true. So let's talk a little bit about the type of work that you are doing. Is this stuff where we're serving in the slums, we're in, working in poverty, or is this something completely different? Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, as opposed to when we lived in India and we literally worked in the slums, uh, the most destitute place on the earth, you have uh, a, a people that at one point had things in their lives and then through wars had to flee and lose everything and become living in, in tents and camps. And so it's a different atmosphere altogether. The economy that we live in uh, personally is somewhat better than what we lived in when we were in India. But these people who had lives, who had homes, who had jobs and lost everything, and now they have no hope, uh, that's what we do. And that was the reason that we felt God was sending us there was because a broken and contrite spirit that the Lord will accept. And in their brokenness, we can be light to them and salt and provide some of the tangible needs that they have, but also provide eternal needs and eternal hope for them in the midst of their uh, challenging situation. So our work is amongst refugees in a large way who are fleeing in uh, different wars or different persecutions from Iran, from Syria, and other parts of Iraq, as opposed to the part of Iraq that we live in amongst the Kurds. And we're there as kind of a first responder to bring light and provision to those who fled for their lives. But on top of that, I mean, we want to get the gospel everywhere. And so our heart is to train up believers to receive Christ and then empower them to be evangelists and disciple makers and church planners. And we're seeing God move through planting churches in homes across the region and he's multiplying. And so that's what we do. That's my main goal outside of providing some physical needs for the refugees and uh, providing sustenance for them. We want to get the gospel where it's not and plant churches that multiply across the region. Uh, God opened up a door for us to do that in Iran from Iraq. And every month we bring people across the border and train them how to reach their people with the gospel. And so simultaneously, we recognize there was a need for the word of God. And so we're meeting people who are saying, man, I know Jesus. I'm having dreams. I'm being visited by God, but I have no clue how to follow him. And God sent us there for such a time as this to give them the word of God and to disciple them and empower them with the Holy Spirit to go back and reach their people in the same way God did in my life. And so that's what we're doing. I love that. And what I love is how God has taken all of this background that you have, all of this experience you had to serve you now. Amen. My guess is you probably know a few tricks up your sleeve to be uh, working <laughs> in some of these things. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's one of the coolest things is, I, I mean, before Christ, I mean, I served death to people. I was a drug dealer, a methamphetamine cook. I was involved with some very dark things, and I was a slave to my sin. And now God has taken what was bad 
that the devil meant for bad and turned it for good to save many alive. And so I use, uh, you know, smugglers to get Bibles across the mountains into the hands of believers in a country where it's totally illegal. So it's interesting. I am serving life now. I'm bringing life instead of death. And so I love that part of the ministry that God has allowed us to be involved with. I love this. I feel like there should be a bumper sticker that says, serve life, not death. You might need to take that as a little fundraiser. (laughs) I think you should coin that one right there. (laughs) I I sort of help you with that, like right here, but you know, take it, take it. I love this. Don, I want to talk about women and obviously it's not the United States, right? So we're talking about countries where sometimes women are treated very differently. What have you found as a woman serving in the Middle East? You know, as Joe said, we live in the Kurdish region, and the Kurds actually um, are very family-oriented, um, are respectful of women, are kind to their children. Um, I mean, I've on public transportation, seeing Kurdish men get up out of their seat to give an elderly Kurdish woman a place to sit. And I love that. And that really blew my categories the first time that I saw that. But the other side of that is there also, you know, is definitely abuse of women. We um, have recently gotten involved in ministering to women uh, who work in a red light district. Um, the economy in Iran is terrible, and people don't have jobs. And so women have turned to prostitution as a way to provide for their families. And so um, we definitely see brokenness um, for the women. Yeah. Oh, thanks for shedding some light on that, too, because I think we can make up so much about this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Especially when we watch mainstream media, we watch whatever. I mean, we don't even know what to believe, right? Right. And I think one thing that's great about the two of you and the work you're doing is it's also giving us, I call it the feed on the ground Mm -hmm. report. We, We know a little bit more of what's happening. Now, we know that the work you are doing requires a lot. I want to invite you to talk to us about what are the best ways that we can be supporting you Obviously, you know, prayer. We talked about prayer. You need prayer all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming that even money, money for Bibles, money for your support. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to us a little bit? Let's, let's start with you, Joe. What are some of the things that you see as like, man, these are just some of our critical needs right now? Yeah. I mean, I would say that the first need, uh, as you said, was prayer. I mean, uh, without prayer, uh, nothing will happen. But with prayer, God will move in power. He will hear our cries and he will pour out his spirit. And so prayer is the most important thing. We need resources. I mean, it costs money to get the word of God across those mountains into the hands of people so that their nations can be transformed. And so we're very thankful for that. I think the greatest need that we have is for the church here to also do the same things that we're doing over there here. If you were to ask me what could the church do here, would be for them to go and start evangelizing in the highways and the byways and sharing their faith with people, making disciples, and going into those hard-to-reach places in this nation here. And then from there, go out to other nations. Yeah, amen. And and we're all called differently, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So somebody may be called here. Somebody amen. may be called overseas. Like, this is... Like, this is the thing I think to try to help people understand is mission is great, but mission is right out your back door. That's right. Amen. And having that mission mindset every single day is, is what's so important. Don, is there anything else that you would add to, man, this is what we need right now? 
Well, I think I would just tag team with what Joe just said. Uh, we have a huge burden for the brokenness that we see here in America. And what a joy it would be to see the church maybe rise up in some new ways to meet people in that brokenness. And this show is about joy. And I really rejoice that our greatest joy is in just abandoning our life to Jesus and seeing him really make us ambassadors for his son, ministers of reconciliation, overcoming darkness, serving life, and seeing people brought from death to life. I mean, there's just, there's no greater joy. But I do want to share just a little testimony. Um, a couple of years ago, people would ask us that same question. And we were really saying our greatest need right now is friends for our kids. And I just, I want to testify that God has answered that prayer in ways that we couldn't even have imagined. And our kids have friends in our neighborhood. Our kids have um, Syrian friends. Our kids have Iraqi friends. And that has just been a way that God has seen a need in our family. People have prayed for that and he's met it. Amen. Amen. Healing of the nations. Like I just believe it's even bigger than just, it's bigger than mission. It's the healing of the nations. And when we can serve side by side with people from all other places, like it matters. Amen. Amen. If people are feeling called to make a financial contribution, where would they send that or how would they get money to you? Uh, They can go to an organization called Love for the Least, www.loveforthelist, and they can donate there. Okay, so we invite you, if you're feeling called... Not everybody listening may feel called, but I am pretty sure that some people are being be listening. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to do something. I have to be a part of this. And, and we just invite you to do that if you do feel called. Joe and Don, I just want to thank you so much for coming on today. This has been amazing. Mm, thank it's you. been amazing for us. <laughs> Thanks too. for having us. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. And I will be praying for you. And I'm going to be using even a prayer journal. I had read something about, um, I believe it was about your husband, Joe, mm. and that somebody had actually, this had gotten ri- written in a prayer journal. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in 2009, a couple of years before Joe and I ever met, some people that I barely knew heard me say, yeah, I loved living in the Middle East, but it's really more effective to be part of a married couple if you're going to be there. You just have a broader reach. And they wrote that down and said, we're going to start praying for a husband. And then they didn't show us that prayer until 2017. So, man, God loves us, I think, to record our prayers and to be able to recognize where he's answered. Amen. So prayer works. So please, please be praying for Joe (laughs) and Don and their mission and everything that they're doing. And, And while we're at it, pray for the Live Joy, Share Joy radio program. I mean, prayer works and God uses these prayers. I just believe that it's so powerful, so powerful. Thank you so much for joining us and um, we hope you'll come back. Thank you. Will you? Okay, awesome. Thank you. All right, we want to thank all of you for choosing to listen today. We want to remind you to live, share, and lead with joy. This is Deb McGregor of Live Joy, Share Joy.
Deb McGregor of Life Full of Joy. Thank you for tuning in to Live Joy, Share Joy. We currently have availability for corporate sponsors on the show. Do you want to be aligned with all things joy and reach our listening audience? We have several options available, including our joy boosters. Contact your QFM today for sponsorship details.